you have to perform from day one? There's no pressure. There's no pressure at all. I've been getting pressure since I was 10 years old. I'm doing something that I love to do. Let's play the game of basketball. Y'all like to watch me play basketball. It hasn't kicked in yet to what I'm getting myself into. I'm not going to guarantee no championship. I'll tell you that. I just hope that they accept me for who I am as a basketball player and especially as a person. I know how to be a leader. It's just a long-term, I always tell y'all that this is a, one of the long-term dreams I always had. That's just, that's just playing in the NBA. From St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School, LeBron James. Morning. How many of y'all have seen that commercial before? Anyone who watches ESPN? Hey, there's a girl back there. Um, so... What does that commercial make you want to do? What does it get you excited to do? Y'all can tell me. To be a basketball player, what else? What did you say? To do it. Okay. Yes. So to follow your dreams, to follow what and pursue whatever you're passionate about, whatever that is, to follow it. And it even says, I love it, it says it's not crazy until you do it. So just do it. Um, but what if I were to tell you that our dream and our passion should be Christ? And you're thinking, okay, church answer, good job, Megan. My work is done here. Um, but you also might be thinking, is that realistic? Do people actually pursue Christ the way that Nike tells you to pursue your passions? Does that actually happen? Because here's the problem. If you have made the decision to follow Christ, or even if you've been in the church just a few times, you know that becoming a Christian is easy, right? God has done all the work for you. He called you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross. He took that sin punishment that we deserved. He rose after three days. He defeated death. He did it all. And all we have to do is accept it and believe him in faith. That's it. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So it's pretty straightforward and easy. And all you have to do is believe and have faith. Got it. But what happens after that? How do you live a Christian life? How do you grow as a believer? Why would you want to grow as a believer? How do you know what the Christian thing is to do when all your friends around you make all of these different decisions all the time? So today we're going to be continuing in Philippians where Paul, the author, um, is going to encourage us in making our faith our own and how to grow as a believer in Christ. Uh, but before we start there, I want to encourage you that even if you're not sure you're into the Christian thing yet or you're not sure you really believe it, I want to challenge you to really listen to because this is also for you. Because as we hash this out, Paul, you're going to see his motivation behind why he would choose to live his life this way. So if y'all turn to Philippians 3, uh, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> Note that I have already, oh, sorry, let's start that over. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained." 
So first off, we need to understand what Paul's goal here is. He's striving to make something his own, to obtain something. So if you look in the paragraph before, you'll see his ultimate goal is to attain resurrection, which is eternal life with Christ when he returns. Now, it's not saying that he is trying to work for his salvation, because we know salvation is free through faith in Christ alone. And when we become believers, we are immediately saved, and God calls us his, and he calls us holy. We are set apart, and we're sanctified. And it's because, because Paul has this promise that he wants to make his whole life focused and centered on this future hope with God in eternity. 2 Corinthians 7 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverences for God. So sanctification means to set apart or free from sin. So it's something that God claims for us when we become believers, but it's also something that we work on our whole lives and we grow into. We will spend our whole lives growing into the people that God intends for us to be. There's a quote that says, It is in fact because both our salvation and our sanctification have been perfectly and fully accomplished for us by Christ that we can be saved by responding in faith without works and sanctified by responding in faithful obedience. So when he says to make it my own, he's choosing to take the salvation that God gave him and run with it at full speed. So Paul wants to work through this new life that's been given to him by growing in holiness and becoming more and more like Christ and his righteousness. Not just on the inside, but in every aspect of his life. His most important goal is to know Christ and therefore become more like him. So making it your own means living your life with your eyes set on Jesus and your future with him in heaven. So it's a life of discipline, of commitment, of determination, of effort. Salvation is ours through faith and not works. But once we have taken that step, then our response is to put effort into your sanctification and growth. To make it real to you and not just something your parents make you do on Sundays. Or not just something that you claim when somebody asks you what religion you are and you say Christianity because you're in Texas and what else are you going to say. But something that's real for you. All believers have a common goal, and that's to be satisfied in Jesus and to grow into his likeness, to make your faith your own. So Paul gives us a couple things to help us in this process, and that is to have humility and to pursue a deeper knowledge of Christ. So right before this, um, from last week's talk, Paul lists all the things and reasons why he has got it all together. He was a Pharisee. He had fulfilled all the requirements. He knew all of the laws and rituals. He knew it backwards and forwards. He had all of the credentials, but Paul said that it was worthless compared to knowing Christ. And understanding the gospel opened his eyes to this. It took humility for him to recognize that even though on paper he had it, his heart still needed work. And he understood that it's not just about doing the right things, but it's about having your heart focused on Jesus and letting Christ do the work in you. Because we'll never be perfect and get everything right but we have to be humble and open to let God work, do the work in our lives. Sanctification is a lifelong process that won't be fully accomplished until Christ returns. And that's why Paul is saying that he hasn't made it his own, but he is striving to it with everything that he has. He reminds us that you don't have to be perfect or have it all figured out, but he's offering us hope because the gospel's for everybody. The gospel isn't just for leaders or goody goods or smart people or people who don't make the really big mistakes that everybody sees. The gospel is for everyone. But we have to be humble and recognize how much we need to grow and how much we need God's grace. The more you go in Christ, the more you will recognize your need for him. 
So when you see what you're lacking, it's not a reason to be upset or depressed or a reason to use it to be complacent. But it should be a reminder of how much we need God daily, an encouragement of what God can and will do in your life. So I truly believe, I agree with Paul when he said in Philippians 1 that he who began a good work for you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So God didn't call you to stay stagnant, but to grow into his likeness, and we spend our whole lives learning how to glorify him. We have to have humility to recognize that God has a long way to take us, but once you do, then you've opened this door for God to work in your life. So the second thing that Paul gave us to make our faith our own is to pursue a deeper knowledge of Christ. So we need to first say, though, that a knowledge of Christ, so knowing who Christ is and knowing Christ is a big difference. Don't you agree? Because you can know who someone is but not actually know them. I may know a lot about Ed Sheeran. I may know all of the words to all of his songs. I may also have Googled him and know that he used to struggle with drugs and he secretly got married. I know a lot. It's kind of embarrassing. My husband probably wouldn't want me telling all that. He's embarrassed for me. But I don't actually know him. I don't know his likes and dislikes. I don't know what he puts his faith into. I haven't spent any time with him. I've just heard stuff about him. And you may know who Jesus is because you've heard about him at least every Christmas and Easter. But do you actually know him? Have you spent time with him? The book of James says that even the demons believe in shudder. So they believe that Christ exists. They just choose not to follow. So Paul is saying to make your faith your own, you, to really grow into this holiness that God has called us to, you need to pursue a deeper knowledge of Christ. So Paul, who you can imagine, already knows a ton about Christ. He knew all of the law. He followed it religiously, literally. And he had a vision from God. He wrote most of the New Testament. But yet he is saying that even he needs and wants a deeper knowledge of Christ. He wants to know him so well that it affects every aspect of him. Paul says that when we accept Christ, your life goal has changed. Your new goal is to know Christ and pursue being like Christ. He understood that the more you know Christ, the more you will become like Christ. Because you become like whatever you spend a lot of time with. Have you ever noticed that when you're hanging out with someone a lot, you start to pick up on their mannerisms, you start to say the things they say, because they rub off on you. And you start to pick up the things they do. And uh, whether that's a good or bad thing kind of depends on that person. Or it's kind of like when you have to learn a language. Are any of y'all in a Spanish or French class? Ah, muy bien. Um, So when you're trying to learn a language, you can't really speak the language until it is in your mind and you are absorbed in it and you can think in it. That's why people do study abroad, because then they're immersed in it and they're surrounded by this language, because then that helps them think in Spanish and therefore be able to speak Spanish or whatever it might be. Because being around something affects who you are and affects how you think. You become like what you spend time with. And the more you know something, the more you love it, enjoy it. Think about your friendships. When you first started hanging out with your friend, you may like them. You know, they're fine. But then you hang out with them more and more, and you, and you begin to enjoy the things they enjoy. You spend time with them. They, they become your best friend, and you love them like a brother or sister because you know them better. And then you'd do anything for them. There's a quote that says, God always starts with renewing the mind before he revives the emotions and redirect the will, redirects the will. So even if you may not feel like spending time with God or you're not having the loving feelings to God, 
I challenge you to start learning about God because then he'll change your heart. And the more you know him, the more you'll love him. And the more you love him, the more you'll want to know him. Paul says to think this way, have this mind. Basically what he's saying is direct your mind to this one thing, which is pursuing holiness. It should be our main focus and a conscious effort because it just doesn't happen out of nowhere. God freely gave us his salvation, but we're to respond in faithful obedience. So it takes work not to gain salvation, but to know Christ better. So our walk with Christ is not supposed to be like a leisurely stroll. You know those people in H-E-B, they're like taking up the whole aisle, and they just like stop, and they're like, do I want the Oreos? Do I need the Oreos? No, I don't need the Oreos. So they cut, And then they stop again, and they're like, no, I want the Oreos. And then 10 minutes later, you're still in the same aisle. I am that person that's like angrily like walking around. But our walk with Christ is not like that. It's not supposed to be like stop and start and do I want to. Our walk with Christ is supposed to be as if you were a runner racing to the finish line with every ounce of breath that you have. Now, I could give you a running analogy, but I really, really hate running. Like, really hate running. So I'm going to give you a basketball analogy instead. So you know how focused and disciplined pro basketball players have to be? They spend hours and hours practicing and training and conditioning every single day, even in the off-season, so that they can play their game well and to the best of their abilities. You know how many calories an NBA player consumes every day? Six to 7,000 calories. You know how many McDonald's cheeseburgers I could eat with that? But do you think they fill up on, do you think they fill up on Cheetos and Dr. Pepper? No, because even if you're not a crazy health expert, you know that's not nutritious and not going to give them the energy that they need. They have to be disciplined and have self-control in every aspect of their life so that they can do the best job at their game. So they have to be disciplined in what they eat so they have the energy they need. They have to sleep enough so that they have the energy that they need. They have to discipline and train their bodies so that they can play the best game ever. But in all this work, they don't do any of that because they're forced to do it. They do it because they love the game that much. They love the game so much that it's worth it to them. And they have the end in mind, and they're focused on this prize, this goal to reach. And that should be our walk. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And that's how we should see it. We have to be disciplined and self-controlled and passionate about pursuing Christ because we love Christ and we want to become more like him and we have this ultimate goal and end in mind to be with him. If you look at what Paul says in verse 13, it says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul presses on to this prize to be with Christ, and he says that while he hasn't reached his full potential, there's one thing he does, and that he forgets the past and he keeps his eyes set on his future. So forgetting what lies behind. How many of you have ever made a mistake in your life? Yes. How many of you, it still bothers you if you think about it, even though it happened a long time ago? Yeah, absolutely. 
So Paul says if we're just focused on Christ, if you really grow into his likeness, you can't keep looking back at the past, at your mistakes, because that's just going to distract you and prevent you from moving forward. If you think about the basketball analogy or any sport or any music, whatever you do that you're passionate about, you can't look back. Because if you keep looking back at that mistake you made, at that one note that you played wrong, at that one pass, bad pass that you made, that one step that you took that you shouldn't have taken, then you're just going to keep messing up because it's just going to distract you and make you stuck there. So we can't let our failures and our achievements keep us from focusing on the finish line. How many of y'all seen Napoleon Dynamite? Y'all seen that? It's kind of old. <clears throat> I remember the Napoleon Dynamite dance at Impact, though, that I lost to. It's okay. I'm not bitter. It's all right. Next year. So Uncle Rico, I don't know if you remember Uncle Rico. So a little bit about him. He, um, like 20 years before, had, was a really good football player. He, like, had one bad play. He messed up the whole game. Therefore, he didn't go into the NFL. He dropped out of high school. And then 20 years later, he's living out of his van and taking videos of himself throwing a football. So he's so stuck in the past. He's so stuck in that m one mistake he made that he can't move forward, he can't move on to become what he should be instead of living in his van taking videos of himself. Don't be an Uncle Rico, guys. Everyone has failed God at some point. We all have stuff in our past that makes us cringe when you think about it. We all have stuff that makes you feel unworthy or think you just can't move past this one sin that just keeps messing you up. We all have that. Think about some of the biggest heroes in the Bible some of the most important people made the biggest mistakes of their lives. King David had an affair, got her pregnant, and then killed her husband because of it. Dave, uh, Paul was the most vicious of persecutors and killed hundreds of Christians until he realized the truth about Christ. But he's saying that he does not focus on that. He doesn't look back because he focuses on the future and what he is doing now with Christ. A lot of, God, a lot of times, God will choose the most messed up people and use them in the biggest ways. Our past does not define us. Christ defines us. Our past does not make us damaged or unworthy or dirty. They are simply moments in your life that teach you and make you grow stronger. Christ already knew that would happen, and Christ already loved you before it took place. And he offers you a way out in forgiveness and calls you holy. So just take it and run with it at full speed. We also cannot use the past to justify being passive, and that even means good things too. So you may do impact, which is awesome, but living missionally or growing in your faith is not something that happens just two weeks out of every summer. It's a continual and daily striving after Christ to know him better. Our past successes and mistakes shouldn't hold us back, but should encourage us to work through things and be willing to go where God is leading us. So when it comes to owning your faith and growing, it's trial and error. You won't always get it right. You're going to make the wrong choices. Sometimes it'll seem like you're getting nowhere. But you have to be persistent, and you have to use judgment and live in light of what you know of God's truth. And as you learn and grow, God will make that clear to you. I would also encourage you that you should know what you believe before you find yourself in tough situations. Make a decision for yourself and have a plan before you get in gray situations and make tough choices with a boyfriend or girlfriend at a party that's going to be unsupervised, when you know your parents won't see your social media, when your friend may decide they like the same gender. Whatever it is, you know you're going to find yourself in situations that your parents won't be around. So you are 
have the freedom to choose what you want to do. So make your decision before you get in that whether or not you're going to choose to follow God and what he says is true and not what our culture says is true. And if you don't know, then open the Bible and do the work because those are our universal truths from thousands of years ago that still apply to us today. Unfortunately, it's not just one verse, but it's the entire book of wisdom. But as you learn more about God, you're going to learn more about his character and therefore know how to frame your character. So the reason Paul is laying all of this out for the Philippians is because they had become apathetic into following God. They had lost that energy to really pursue a life following after Christ. And they had also had a lot of other voices around them telling them how they should live and telling them what they should believe. So it sounds familiar, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever felt like you've spent most of your life apathetic to God? Or how many of you really think about it can see how you're affected by what the culture teaches you on topics like homosexuality, modesty, sex before marriage, drinking, anything? Our culture says, you do you, or YOLO, but that doesn't always match up with what God says is right. It's almost impossible not to be affected by that thinking. And it's also easy to just coast and say, yeah, I believe, but then just keep doing what everyone else is doing. So the Philippians had all these other voices around them and other ideas on how they should live their life, but it's only ever the gospel. It's never gospel plus. Christ, it's, always, it's only Christ and his word. So know him and you'll grow into a mature believer. I would encourage you, though, even if you aren't feeling the Christian thing yet or you're not sure you're ready to be that committed, why don't you just try knowing Christ more and he'll open your eyes to the grace and love in ways that you cannot imagine. And as you know him more, he'll change your heart to the truth about him and the life he's called us to. There's a quote from Tim Keller. It says, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. So everything hinges on the fact that Christ resurrected. Don't leave Jesus dead, remember? That's because if he, if when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved that everything he said was true. And so he said he was the son of God. So if what Jesus says is true, then it might be worth looking into that and worth spending time with him to get to know him better, don't you think? Verse 12, Paul was saying that he has made it his own, or he's striving to make it his own, because Christ has already made him his own. So Paul's motivation in his life like this, for anything that he does, is a already re- it's a response to what Christ has already done for him. There's a story that I heard about a family that was they went to a beach on one of their family vacations, and they're all gathered around and building a sandcastle together. And the youngest girl decides she wants to swim and play in the water. And so she goes. She gets further and further out, gets sucked into the undertow. The waves are crashing around her. She starts flailing and screaming, and she's about to be sucked down into the ocean. So the mom runs out there and grabs her little girl. And when she did grab the little girl, the little girl clung to her mom so tight and refused to let go. And this should be our response to Christ. We were headed for this deep, dark destruction. We were headed for death, but God pulled us out of that. And because he's captured us, we shouldn't want to let go. And that is the gospel. God chose us and called us his, and he sent his son Jesus in our place to take our punishment and conquer death so we could have eternal life with him. And that should push us to move, to act, to love, to respond to him in faith. We have been saved by grace through faith and faith alone, but with that comes 
a call to pursue a life with him, with every energy that we have. So it's just like the ad said at the beginning. It's only crazy until you do it. So just do it. Let's just do it. Accept the gift that God has given you and run like the wind. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we can do our discussion. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you would love us so much that you would send your son uh, to take our place, that you would do all that work to save us and pull us out of the ocean, to take us back and claim us as yours, no matter what we've done in our past, no matter what we will do in our future. Um, And I praise you so much for that. Um, And I just pray that um, we can desire to know you better and to know who you are, Lord. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can do discussion on your tables.